I want you guys to all stand up and put your hands together for Josh Haas. He's coming up. He is amazing. So good. So we, we get to hear from him today. And he is one of the, I'm not saying everyone bring, them, bring him your mess, but he's one of the holiest people I know that lives just like Danny Silk. So if you need any advice or input sometime on how you should work this out in your life, Josh is actually an amazing person to come to, and so is his wife, Angie. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say today. So thank you. Thank you. I'm actually, I'm going to get this table here real quick. I got it. <laughs> Thank you, Brittany. All right. Well, will you guys just extend your hands towards me? I would love your prayers. So, Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We can't wait to hear what I have to say. <laughs> Lord, I just pray that nobody here gets bored, that this be a really stimulated, interesting sermon this morning, and not only that, it will be life-changing, that you would change me so that I can help change them. We bless what's going on in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, yes. All right, well, I have a very special assignment this morning that I want to share with you. Um, we've kind of just kind of inadvertently walked into a spontaneous series. We're not planning to do a series, but Aaron just started going, and realized, we were realizing, you know what? This is actually a series that we're going through here. And so what the series is really about is we're going back to some of the, the real just basics of the faith and of upper room. And the uh, funny thing is I've, I've heard that theme in not just us, but other, other ministries are doing kind of the same thing. So I think we must be listening to the same God, which I think is pretty cool. So anyways, Aaron started what we would say, what we figured out was a steers. He started by talking about the blood. That's about as basic as it gets, but the blood of Jesus. And then he talked about the cross and the name of Jesus, which were three really powerful messages. Then Corey came in last week, and he talked about the Spirit. Don't you love listening to Corey talk about the Spirit? Wasn't that just really powerful, transforming? I, I, I can't hear enough of that. Well, this week, um, Aaron suggested that I talk about family. Now, I'm the marriage and family guy here, and so you can't imagine how hard that was for me to come up with something to tell you about. It's like saying, talk about God. I, I had so many different directions that I could have gone and so many different things. It was so broad. It was almost too broad. I was trying to figure out, yeah, but I, can only, I only have like 30 minutes to talk or so. And so I boiled some things down, and I feel like I've, I've sensed the Lord's heart on where he wants to go um, this morning as I talk to you about family. Now, family is a real, I would say, a real buzzword today. I mean, you can't, you can't, you know, flip the TV channel. You can't, uh, listen, you know, watch a movie. Somebody says that they're family. It's happening constantly, all the time. It's, it's uh, every church feels like they're family. 
And usually what happens is it's the people who know each other that feel like they're family. But what you really measure is if the people coming in feel like family. That's when you really tell if it's family. Everybody thinks they're family if you kind of crack the code and you got in. But if, if you're coming from the outside observing, that's a better measurement to realize are you family or not. And the nice thing is I look around, I see some newer faces nodding. And that tells me, oh, good, that's, we're going in the right direction. They're feeling a little more connected. They're feeling a little more uh, locked in. I want to read a few quotes. So you all know the, uh, the, olive, the old Olive Garden quote. I don't think it's the same one here, but when you're here, you're... Yes, yes. Let me read you a quote George Burns said about family. Happiness is having a large, loving, caring, close-knit family in another city. Here's another one. Families are like fudge, mostly sweet with a few nuts. <laughs> Harry Morgan, who was the guy who played Colonel Potter, if for those of you who remember MASH, okay, I know I'm old, but that's older than me even, so. Anyways, he said this, being part of a family means smiling for photos. Well, that's pretty deep. <laughs> Family ties mean that no matter how much you might want to run from your family, you can't. And then Evan Esser, a humorist, said, A social family, a social unit where the father is concerned with parking space, the children with outer space, and the mother with closet space. <laughs> a lot of different definitions of family, a lot of different... Even, you know, you look at, at, at Disney. Disney's always talking about family. Remember Stitch from Lilo and Stitch? Family means nobody gets left behind or forgotten. That's pretty good, especially for Disney. That's pretty good. Um, Coco said this, we have our differences, but nothing is more important than family. So I've... I think that there are a lot of misconceptions, but what does family have to do with faith? Why don't we just get together every Sunday and watch Disney movies? What is the difference between what Jesus brought in our understanding of family and what everybody else knows about family? Because there's a lot of good truth, a lot of good things that even in the world, people know that family's a good thing. Now, understanding how it works and what it should be like and those kind of things, there, there's differences. But everybody, I think pretty much everybody knows that, that family should be something good, that it should be a good thing. I have even, some of the, the confusion, though, and misconceptions of the family, I've even heard, like, within the church. You ever heard the, the people who say, you know, nobody better mess with my family but me? You ever heard that one, right? But that doesn't sound like... Jesus definition of family Jesus, I can't imagine Jesus saying no better better mess with my family but me right or I've heard people say yeah well our church is a family it's just that like you know sometimes we have that crazy Uncle Joe who comes in and we like to see him at reunions but not much other than that and sometimes we can feel like that but I don't think that's Jesus idea of family I think Jesus has something bigger and better in mind. And so I want to talk a little bit about how did Jesus practice family? What 
did family mean to Jesus when he walked this earth? And I want to look at that, and then I want to think about how can we apply that to our lives personally, and then how we do this thing we call church together. Okay? So keep in mind a couple of things. When Jesus was a human, and, and Corey did a great job talking about explaining how Jesus set aside his divinity. He set aside his rights to act as God. So the things he did here on earth, he did as a human being. Okay? He voluntarily became a human being. So when he did family, when he did things here on earth, he acted as a human being. And I think it's significant to think about Jesus and the idea of family. Jesus was not married. And Jesus had no biological children. So when Jesus comes in and he talks about family, I'm not going to do a sermon about the definition of marriage. That's a good sermon to go on, but I want to talk about what Jesus taught us about how he did family. Okay? When Jesus talked about family, he was talking about something bigger. So that you can come in here and you can have no children of your own. You can not be married, never have been married, be divorced, be single, whatever the situation and you can still be part of family. He, he basically, the, I think that it was significant that he didn't get married, he didn't have biological children when he walked this earth as a human being because he wanted to make sure that people knew that they could be included. There are people, and probably people in here, that are called to live single. Bible talks about that, okay? But that does not mean that they are not called to be family. Okay? And so God has called us, I believe God has called us, and Jesus revealed to us what family should look like and what it should be. The first thing I want to mention about how, what Jesus revealed, Jesus built on some ideas in the Old Testament. So they had some ideas about what, what family should be like. And Jesus added to that. And the first thing I want to mention that he added to was God the Father, God being father of the family. Now, in the Old Testament, it's understood that God is the father of all. He's the creation, okay? But Jesus adds a little bit to this. He, he gives us a new revelation of what that really means to have God as father. In America, we talk about George Washington is the father of what? Our country, right? Yes, very good. You guys went to school. George Washington is the father of our country. But I don't relate to George Washington the same way I relate to Father God. I don't think of him in the same light. I revere him and respect him that he founded, you know, he was the first president of our country. But I don't look at God the same way. Looking at God as father means something deeper and different than just that, than just that he started people. There's something more. So I want to look real quick this is Mark chapter 14, verse 36. And um, good, you got my note. So good. Thank Give a hand to those guys back there because we, we do things last minute sometimes. And I left a note back there with my slides and I wasn't even sure if he got them, but he did. So way to be on top of it. All right. <laughs> um, this is what Jesus said. This is right before Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. 
he's getting ready to be captured, to be taken away, and then to be crucified. And he's having this conversation with, with Father God. And this is what he said, verse 36. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet, yet not what I will, but what you will. In that little statement there, Jesus reveals a whole lot about what it means to have God as our Father. One thing he does is he calls God Abba. Abba is a very personal term. I've heard it said daddy. It means a little more than just daddy, but, but it is a very personal relationship term, which is a big revelation that, the, that God would be that personal with people. Jesus related to God as if he was talking like I would talk to my father. Respectful, but also th there was some give and take. He's talking to him and saying, listen, if there's a better way we can do this, now keep in mind, Jesus is limited as a human being. Okay? He, he doesn't have, he didn't, he set aside the infinite mind of God at that time, and he says to God, if there's a better way to do this, I would love to do that, unless this is the best way. So if it can be better, please, God, I'd love to do that, because I know this is going to be painful, this is going to be hard, but if not, I would love to do, I, I will do this, I will accept this. Jesus revealed things about God our Father, that he is good, that he's personal, that it's God's nature as a father to love, um, that we are free to give and take with him, to, to say, God, does it have to be this way, and have a conversation with him. And Jesus also revealed that he, knew, he knows what's best. So he goes back to him and he says, God, if this is the best way to go, I will accept it. Okay? Now, I don't imagine that we would have that kind of conversation with George Washington. Right? Father of our country, but I'm not saying, okay, what's the best way to go, Father George? But I do that with Father God because he's personal. And he wants us to have this conversation with him. Which is great. Okay, so that's how Jesus related to God. But how did he relate to the rest of us? Like, what is it that makes us family? That's great that he's part of the Trinity. Maybe he set aside his, his divinity, but he's part of the Trinity. And so we know he's going to end up part of that family. How does he relate to us? Well, I want to read this, this, this next uh, passage, and I want to read it um, from a, a little different bent, okay? We typically, I want you to look at it as how his disciples would hear it. So as I read this, I want you to think about this the way that the disciples would be listening to this. This is Matthew 12, verses 46 through 50. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Imagine being there. 
You've been following Jesus around for a while. You've been seeing all these amazing teachings that he has. You've been seeing miracles. And you're just trying to be there, a part of what he's doing. And people come in and say, hey, Jesus, your mother and your brothers want to talk to you. And he says, well, hold on. The people I'm talking to right now, this is my mother and my brother and my sisters. These are the people. Can you imagine how that must have felt to hear Jesus say, you belong, you've been following me, and, and, and you belong like family. You are my family. That's who you are. I can't imagine, I, can, I mean, I, I guess I can on some level, but just to hear that come out of his lips, that you are family. There's something about what Jesus said. There's an inclusive nature. Basically, he's saying, anybody who wants in, come on in. Be part of the family. Anybody who wants to come in. He said, you know, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my mother, is my brother and sister and mother. So if you want in, come on in. And I, but I, I, I want to also mention, you know, it says do the will. Don't get too confused about thinking, well, I've got to work my way in. Okay, I've got to work really hard to get in because I can guarantee you everybody in that group didn't do everything perfectly. Right? So don't get stumbled up in, in the whole idea that, oh, well, Jesus is saying if I do everything right, I'm in the family, but if I don't do everything right, I'm not in the family anymore. I don't think that's what he's trying to say. Here's how I think it really works is I recognize that I'm a son and because I recognize that I'm a son I can do the will of the Lord. It doesn't go the other way around. I don't decide I'm going to do the will of the Lord. I'm going to work really hard and then I recognize that I'm a son. That's backwards. That's trying to earn it. That's me doing it instead of letting him do it, do it for me. And that's something that, that I think we need to, to keep in mind and realize as we do this. I don't do things so that I can be in relationship. I do things because I'm in relationship. Does that make sense? So in other words, <clears throat> I don't mow the lawn so that I can be married to Angie man, I, I really need to get married. So I start the mower up. And start. No. I mow the lawn because I'm in a relationship, because out of my love that flows. It's the same thing with Jesus. The things that I do with him and for him, they don't come out of me trying to be a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus, and it flows out of that. Okay? Now, in that, though, that's the inclusive nature Anybody who wants and is in. There's also an exclusive nature in what Jesus said. In other words, you can also choose not to be in the family. Like He doesn't force you to be in. Just because he was the father of all creation doesn't mean that you automatically have to be family. You get to make a choice if you want to be a part of that family. That's what part of the wonderful nature of, of God is he will always choose you but he's waiting for you to choose him. And that's a choice we make daily, is will I follow him? Will I be with him? 
So I was thinking that that's, that's all great. He, he gave this wonderful revelation. How do we practically walk this out in life? How do I actually do this family thing? What should it look like? Well, the first thing I, I, I went to and I thought about, so Jesus, in the example I gave you, speaking to a group of disciples, well, in the group of disciples, there are 12 apostles. All of the apostles are disciples. Not all of the disciples are apostles. Okay, I know if you're new to this, that's, I just blew your mind. Sorry, I'll try to explain it better. Disciples were anybody who were following Jesus. Okay, But there are 12 apostles who were specifically picked by Jesus to, to follow him around, and they spent more and extra time with him, and they were actually sent that's what apostle means. They were sent after. So, in other words, because that they were they were with Jesus all the time, they were naturally a disciple of His. But because He chose them and 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 specifically ordained them to be apostles, they had an extra special role. And you'll see a lot more of them in the Gospels than you do see of any of the the regular disciples. So, let me tell you a little bit about these twelve apostles. I don't know how it is for you, um, but when you're thinking about people you want to hang out with, we tend to think about people who remind us of our favorite person in the world, ourself. <laughs> I mean, I like you because you remind me of my favorite person, me. I spend time with people that have things in common with me. Me, 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 me. I don't spend a lot of time with people who I have nothing in common with because we don't have anything in common. The more people remind me of me, the more, I, in the natural, I tend to feel like family. So we have this flow going. You know, I was on the softball team this summer, which was a lot of fun. And we'd talk, yeah, give me the fist. <laughs> and we would, we would, you know, um, just enjoy games together and, and the more that we were, had these the more we had in common the more we felt like family right but Jesus he gathers these, these guys together and some of them have things in common and some of them don't and yet he's calling them family and um, he's calling them family and yet if you have ever read any of the gospels you will recognize they didn't always treat each other like family they didn't always act like it so there's something to be learned that family stays family even when we don't always act like it okay as long as we got a strong head which is jesus when the rest is not acting like it it's still family he still considered it family and um Jesus, recognizing this, he still treated them like family even when they didn't treat each other like family. That's what a good parent does, right? I'm going to treat you like family. As I mature, I'm still going to treat you like family regardless of how you treat me or those other people around you because I get to choose. I get to decide, am I going to promote family? Am I going to be family regardless of how you act and how you treat the, the other people around you? So 
he also, as I mentioned a minute ago, he always gave people a choice to be in the family. And as we'll see in just a minute, so, you know, at least one of the apostles and some of the other ones really on and off chose not to be in the family. And that might blow your mind. You could spend time with Jesus. You could spend three years with Jesus and you could choose not to be in the family. But it's true. If anybody knew how to be a good parent, it was Jesus. If anybody knew how to, to give himself to people to show them the kingdom, it was Jesus. And yet he did not take away their free choice to choose him. He could still, they could still choose him. Why would somebody who spent time with Jesus not choose him? I mean, they already chose to walk around with him for three years, so it's not like they had to overcome the inconvenience of it, right? And they broke all of these barriers. People already were pretty polarizing, like, you follow Jesus, oh, that's awesome, or you follow Jesus, what's wrong with you? You know, it went both ways. So they'd already gotten past that. What would it be that they would still not see themselves as family? Well, there are at least two things that I know of. One is, if you are convinced that you're not worthy and there's nothing that can be done about it, I will, I will self-sabotage myself to not fit in the family. Everything that I see, everything that I do, I will try to prove over and over again, I am not worthy, don't call me family, I'm going to keep myself out, I'm going to push myself away because I feel unworthy. And the other one is basically overarching fear. Fear that I'm going to get let down. If I let you be my family, you're going to hurt me. I've probably been hurt in my life before. If I'm a human being, I would say that, yes, I have been hurt before. So I have this fear that if I identify myself as family, somebody, somehow, the people around me are going to let me down. And so I will not feel like family. I will protect myself. I will not open myself to that. Let me tell you a little bit about the 12 apostles then. So there, there were, in the 12 apostles, there were three sets of brothers. So six of the 12 had a sibling that was there with them. That means six of the 12 didn't have anybody there that they were related to. So they could exclude themselves. They could say, I don't fit in if they wanted to. They all... Um, they didn't all have the same profession. At least four of them were fishermen, and possibly seven or more of them were fishermen, but not all of them were fishermen. So they look at, we're not brothers, so my last name's not Simmons, right? Not a fisherman, so you know, I'm not a first responder, but I go to this church, and I'm not part of CrossFit. So I don't fit in, right? And most of them, but not necessarily all of them, were the, from the same area, Miami County, right? And so if you're not part of CrossFit, you're not a first responder, you don't have any tattoos, you don't, <laughs> you don't have any siblings here, um, you don't live in the county, maybe you just don't belong. The other thing is Jesus didn't spend equal time with all of them. He had three of them that he was extra close to. He showed favoritism. Now, I didn't write that. That's in the Bible, so don't blame me. <laughs> but he had three of them 
James, Peter, and John, they spent extra time. And probably John, he had an even extra close relationship because John talks about himself as the one of Jesus' love. Now, John said that, so take that with a grain of salt. But he had some that he spent extra time with. Why? Well, remember, Jesus limited himself as a human being. He was modeling what we can do as human beings. He was not acting in the power of a divine being when he walked the earth. So when he took certain people with special time with them, he was showing us what we can do. When we are stewarding our time, we have certain people God has put in our lives that we owe more time to than others. As a pastor, I know you all think you get unlimited time from me, especially from what Brittany just told you, but you don't. My, my wife gets my most time, and my kids get the next. And if I'm robbing from them to give to you, something's out of order. Something's a mess, okay? That doesn't mean that I'm not family, that I don't see you as family. It just means I understand the limitations I have on my life as a human being. And that's what Jesus is showing us. But do not apply that to Father God, to Jesus now in his post-incarnate state, meaning he's now glorified, he's now back, you know, he, he's back. Jesus can give any of us as much time as we need right now, okay? So don't, don't confuse that. But my point is, if you're in a group of 12 people following Jesus around, there are plenty of opportunities to convince yourself you don't belong, that I'm really not part of the family. And if you're in, in our group here, there are plenty of opportunities to convince yourself you don't really belong. I've been there, so I know that many of you have been there, okay? Now, what I'm not saying is that it's all your fault if people are treating you like you don't belong, because we see the apostles do that to each other, and they were wrong. Okay, But what I, what I am saying is, if we go back to the head, the source, we will always know we're part of the family. If, you, if they would go back to Jesus and not look at how they're different from the other apostles, so they go back to Jesus, they will know that they're a part of the family. If you'll do the same thing, you may, you know, you may not have been treated well. You may have been left out of something. That's legitimate. We, we do... We are human beings, and we leave people out, and it's not, I don't think it's usually intentional, but it, that can happen. But if you will go to him as your source, you will recognize, oh, that was their mistake. That is not a fault in me. I don't have to prove that I have a problem, that I, 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 something that's broken in me. When we focus more on what we don't have in common with, with people than what we do, I think we take on something that, that the, the recent buzzword is called the orphan spirit. I don't belong. I'm not part of this group. And so um, when we focused on the fact um, that we are in this together and that I belong because I'm a son, that's the spirit of sonship. That's one of the buzzwords we, we, we talk about. So I want to give you like an example of that orphan and sonship mindset of like everything is wrong if your eyes are to see what's wrong and everything is right last week on Friday um, I had a meeting over on Miller Lane at Panera Bread and after that I was going to go to the Walmart I know this is getting really interesting to you sorry <laughs> bear with me it does have a point 
I was going to go pick up the um, birthday card so that I could give it to Aaron for his birthday. So I go in there, and I um, get the card, come back out, and I start my car, and it won't turn over. And I think, oh, man, well, good thing I'm in the parking lot. Good thing I'm not on the road. Thank goodness. And I know that at this Walmart, they have like a security truck that goes around all the time. So I walk over, find the security truck, say, hey, can you give me a jump start? And they say, uh, no, we can't do that. But um, at the automotive, they have a box that you can use. I said, oh, they'll just give you the box? Okay, I'll go in and do that. So I go in and I ask for the box. And the guy's like, oh, I don't even think that thing works. I said, oh, okay. I said, listen, I'd be happy to buy a battery, but I don't have tools to put it in. Um, do you have something you can loan me or anything like that? And he said, hold on just a second. Go out to your car, and I'll meet you out front. So he drives his own car. Now, he's got a long line of people. He drives his own car out to my car, gets the battery out, and gets ready to jump. Tries to jump start. It still won't turn over. And we're thinking, it might be the starter. I don't know. And so he's like, will it roll if you pop it in neutral? And I said, I think so. He's like, pop it in neutral. He pushes my car from the parking lot all the way around back. And as he's pushing, a lady who sees what we're doing, she's like, hang on, I'll help. She joins him. And then another guy comes up and he says, I'm going to throw my bag in your back seat. I'll help too. So we've got three people from the parking lot at Walmart. I know, Walmart. On Miller Lane all helping to push this car to the back at the, the service area. We get in there, and the guy's like winded, out of breath. And I'm like, thank you so much. I mean, you went above and beyond. I really appreciate it. He's like, no problem. Hang on, I'll get your battery for you. He comes out, um, and like, there are people, there's a line of people standing there, and there are like two guys working back there who are running the front and back. And um, the people in line are like, you know, man, this, this, I've been waiting here forever. And I'm like, I know. And, and, and I said, but it's not their fault. And they're like, oh, we know. It's not their fault. They're, they're working as hard as they can. And these people have such amazing attitudes about having to wait in line. And I'm thinking, God, your favor is just, it, I, it must be me. <laughs> it must be your favor flowing off of me. So... I wait, he comes back out, and he's like, yeah, I put the new battery in, but it's not working. I'm like, oh, okay. I was like, well, can you push it another spot, and I'll, I'll call, call a tow. Well, it was on a Friday. I didn't have anything else to do. We were going to go to Grace's football game later that day. And um, I wait, and I call Angie. She's like, yep, I got time. I'll come pick you up. And um, I wait on the tow, and the tow, it was going to be a while, but it came earlier than expected. And they tow it. We... Um, got it back. The repair shop said it wouldn't be till this, the next Friday that it would be finished. But they got it done by Monday. And I'm thinking, God, this is so great. This is amazing. That's what a son sees it. Now let me tell you an orphan saw. Okay? I got stranded at Walmart. I go out to the truck and they can't even help me. Like, what are you there for? Your security. Why can't you give me a jump? 
I get out to this guy, and he actually comes out to help me, abandoning his line. What's with this guy? He abandons his line. We come out there to jump to jumpstart, and that doesn't even work. So we had to push the whole thing to the back of the place. And we get there, he puts a new battery in, and it doesn't even work. I got to wait the whole weekend without a car. I have to sit there and wait for my wife to come pick me up. And finally, there are these people in line, and Walmart only has two people helping any of them. You see the difference? I told the same story, and it's not, it's not just choosing to be positive. It's seeing truth where it's there. That's the difference. So apply that to family. What will you see when you want to be part of family? What will you focus on? Will you focus on where people fell short, or will you focus on where God's favor is there? Two examples from the apostles. There was one apostle that I look at. He was, he was not a fisherman. He did not have any siblings in the group. He was not in uh, Jesus' inner circle. In fact, he had a problem in his life, and it was stealing. He kept stealing. That was kind of how he lived his life. And scholars kind of are not positive, but they think there's a good chance that he lived in a region that was about 90 miles away from Galilee, which is where all the other 11 plus Jesus lived. So he lived, he was an outsider coming in anyways. His name, if you hadn't guessed, is Judas. And I'm not sure if he was an outsider physically, but I know that he must have, based on the choices made, he must have felt like an outsider and not felt like family. This should scare you that a man who lived with Jesus for three years could not feel like he was family. He had a choice to make to look at, well, why don't I fit in? How do I need to protect myself? What is going to be the best for me, me, me? Instead of saying, how do we fit into this family? What is my unique role? Now, there's another guy who was a very similar situation. And we don't talk a lot about him, but I, I think he's got this amazing story. He was not a fisherman. He did not have a brother in the group. He was not in Jesus' inner circle. He did live near in the area where Jesus did, but that was probably to his disadvantage because he was a tax collector. And at that time, in that place, nobody really likes tax collectors today. But at that time, you really didn't like tax collectors. Tax collectors worked for the Roman government, the invasive government, the government that was not part of your culture. The government was, that was coming against um, allowing you to have your freedom. And not only that, he would take advantage of his position and he would add extra profit off of whatever taxes he collected and support himself through that extravagantly. His name was Matthew or Levi. And somehow this guy, and, and I can't imagine what it must have been like for him, especially at first. I think The Chosen does a pretty good job of it if you've seen The Chosen. But I can't imagine what it must have been like for him at first to come into this group of the other 11 guys and everybody in there knows he's the one that's been collecting their taxes and robbing them. 
And everybody knows it. Nobody necessarily knew that Judas was stealing, but everybody knew where Matthew came from. Everybody knew it. And somehow Matthew was able to overcome that and focus on, yeah, but Jesus called me. Let's read that. Matthew 9, 9. This is when Matthew got called. It says this, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Now, can you imagine this guy? This is how he made his living. And he made a pretty good living. Not necessarily an honest living, but a pretty, he was doing pretty well. And he saw all these other people who he probably knew would not think too highly of him that were following Jesus. And he was probably just thinking, Jesus, I would so love to be a part of that group. If only you would just call me. I would love that. I know, though, that what I do, it's just, it's not worthy. It doesn't fit in, so you'll probably never call me. And then the day came. And Jesus, he'd seen Jesus before, and, and Jesus looks at him, and he says, come on, follow me. And Matthew left everything. And he ran, and he followed him, and, he, and if you read on, you find out that he actually made up for all the wrongs that he had ever done. He paid back everything. He let Jesus lead him into believing that he belonged as part of the family. And it no longer mattered what everybody else thought. It no longer ma mattered how the others treat him because Jesus said, follow me, come and be a part of this family. I'm not saying that Matthew never struggled. All of the apostles at some point left Jesus. I'm not saying that everything was sunshine and roses from there. According to true tradition, Matthew was one who was martyred for his faith later on. But what I am saying is If you want to belong, Jesus wants you to belong. If you will allow yourself to believe that, if you will allow yourself to think those things that I've had in my past or those things that I don't have in common with the other people around me, if you will allow yourself to feel like family, you will feel like family. Because we have a good father. bottom line is this you're welcome in the family if you want to be in now if you already feel like you're in it's your job to help others feel like they need to be in as I mentioned at the start every church thinks that they're family but it's the churches that bring people in that feel like family that are really doing something If you don't feel like you're part of the family, here's my suggestion. Start being family to other people until you feel like family. Spend less time thinking about, wow, they didn't treat me like family. More time thinking about, how can I treat them like family? Right? Here's the thing. Family works best when we're all trying to be family. It totally does. Unfortunately, it isn't always that way. So you only get to control your side of the equation on this. All right? Will you choose to be family? Now, when you have a group of people and they're all choosing to be family, 
It's heaven on earth. It's, it's kingdom come. When we're all choosing to be family together, it's something amazing. But I know this, whether we choose it or not, he has, asked, he has chosen us if we'll choose him back. And you get to decide whether you want to choose to be family or not. So I'm going to invite uh, somebody to come up to play a little music or keyboards or whatever we have. And I want to, uh, I want to propose an invitation to you. I'm talking about family, but it's not just being family here at Upper Room. That's part of it. If you want to be family here at Upper Room, plug in. We have a family wall out to the, the left. Is In the little room out to the left, is, as you walk out, we'd invite you to just put your picture up there saying that you have trusted in Jesus. You're, you're deciding to, to help support our family here, and you want to be in. That's it. We don't have a formal membership class. That's how you get into family here. But what I'm really talking about is being part of the bigger family. So that when we're with another believer, it's, 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 we're owning it. We're saying we're in the family. And when we're, when we're with somebody who's not a believer, we're saying, oh man, we would love to have you in the family. We would love for you to be part of the family. So I'm going to invite you to stand up. And uh, if you are deciding that you want to call yourself family, family of Jesus, I just want you to just come up to this line here. And we're just going to declare that together. Now, if you don't feel part of the family, yeah, come on up. Just come on up. I see a couple of you as you want to. If you don't feel like you're part of the family, you're not sure about that, we're going to have some prayer team people up here to pray with you. If you have any other needs, if you just need prayer for healing, if you've got a situation going on in your life, meet with uh, some of these prayer teams. We'd love to pray God's blessing over you. So I want you to just uh, go ahead right now. I invite you to close your eyes. Put your hands out like you're about to receive something. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come right now. I invite you to come and baptize us as family. Family at Upper Room, but a family in the bigger family. Family of believers. Lord, we purpose and we choose to be family. That is our choice. We get to choose to be family. We, we, do, we, we purpose to hold up our side of this we know that you'll hold up your side and we pray that you help us to bless people who can't, won't, or don't know how to hold up their side of it. Lord, I bless everyone here as family to walk and live as family. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if you would like prayer, please come on up. We would love for that. Otherwise, go out and be family. We love you. Bless you.